afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you are in the world. Thanks very much for downloading the podcast and listening to us. Don't forget to give us a five-star review on whatever platform you you listen to us on. Uh, today, I'm expecting to, to be listened by quite a few people, although there might be some who think, I don't want to listen to this because uh, City didn't win at the weekend. Um, I'm Ian Cheeseman. With me are three of the Forever Blues squad. Uh, thanks very much to Charles Louis Mortgage Advisors, who are the sponsors of the podcast for this season. We really appreciate their help. If you want to get advice on a mortgage and you want to get it from somebody who is a City fan and who is friendly and is likely to give you good advice with patience, then Google them. Charles Louis. I think the website is actually charleslouis.co.uk, but Google them and I'm sure they'd be delighted to help you out. And they're helping us, so you help them as well. Um, with us today are, are three of the regulars. Uh, Will sometimes is the quiet member of the squad because he does all the filming, which you sometimes see on Twitter or on YouTube, but he's always here. In fact, he's here more than me. No, he can't be, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So we've got Will, we've got uh, Harlan, who is also, um, you see him on, on the vlog from time to time, and Matty from City Matters. So uh, without further ado... City Matties. City, City Matties, yeah. <laughs> without further ado, let's get into it. Now... You might have expected me at this point to just launch straight into VAR, right? So I'm not going to do that just for now. There'll be plenty of that later, don't worry. Uh, but the fact that, that City drew, the fact that they actually played very well, mm-hmm. I think needs to be talked about first of all. Uh, now, I did a tweet during the game and I'd just written it and I was just about to tweet it and it said <laughs> something like, City are playing exceptional football, loving it. And then Tottenham equalised... And the tweet was there on my phone, and I thought, shall I send it, because they've just equalised. And I thought, yeah, because it's still true. So I sent the tweet, and somebody said, bad timing that. And I thought, no, I knew what I was doing, and I did it, and I knew they'd just scored. Uh, Because I was just loving it. The football was amazing. Um, And you know what? We're City fans. We all want City to win. I want City to win. But it isn't absolutely the be-all and end-all. I, I, I sit there, stand there, whatever, watching a football. Yeah. Can't believe that I'm watching it. I mean, I heard the crowd singing, we're not really here. And as I listened to that, I thought, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm here watching this. I'm the privilege to sit and watch these players. Yeah, I know we'll get onto the Bernardo Silva um, incident, uh, which people might remember, where he went past about... 15 people and juggled the ball in the air and then got booked, uh, sorry, got, got penalised fa- uh, for a foul when it was actually him that was yeah. fouled. Come back to that. But watching him, watching those pinpoint passes by Kevin De Bruyne, watching Sergio every week, you know, just, just watching these players honestly blows my mind. And if we, I've said this before, I've said it on the podcast before, if we don't win a single trophy this season, but we play football like this, I'm cool with that. I want us to win everything. But just watching this football blows me away. So, OK, didn't win yesterday. No. And we can talk about perhaps defensive frailties. And as much as I love Edison, you know, was he positioned right for the goal? Um, you know, and, and, and were we strong enough in the central area just in front of the back four? Rodri's got a lot of praise recently, but that's the area where City look vulnerable. And then a header from a five foot six inch stri- uh, yeah. striker, you know, what? How can yeah. you win and head us so yeah. freely as that? Yeah. So there's loads of things we can talk about. I just want to say right from the off, I thought despite drawing 2 2, 
City were brilliant and I loved that match yesterday. Yeah, over 90, uh, what was it, 98 minutes in total, I think it was yesterday, or 97 minutes over the two halves. Um, we were definitely the better side in that game, hands down. Um, like you said, Ian, I'm, I'm not going to hold words back here. Mesmerising, uh, outstanding, um, dreamboat is merely a word. Um, just beautiful. Is that not Jess? No, it's mine. Your other half. No, She's, mine. Is she the dreamboat? She's the dreamboat, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it, it, listen, it's, it's mesmerising to watch and I'm, I'm a bit like you as well. I think we all are. When, when, you, when you sat there and you, you're watching this football now and you realise that you know some of the stuff we played in the, in the early 2000s when I, when I fully became a City fan um, was decent under Keegan, but this is, this is a million miles away. There's nobody in the Premier League that plays football like us. Not even Liverpool. They're nowhere near us. There's not many teams in Europe that play football the way we play it. I personally think that we are one of the best footballing teams and football playing sides in Europe. Without and doubt. And I think that Real the Madrid... Best, I'd say. Barca- yeah, well, the, the best. best. I think Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, they all look at us. Simeone looks at us. Um, and all they can do is admire because I seriously think that they're, you know, bar the odd decision or bar five margins in the Champions League, people firmly believe now that we are the best team in Europe. I think it's frustrating that we didn't win the game because I think we'd be sat here. I don't know, we are still going to praise City, but I think on the in a wider sense we'd be praising City so much more, and the and the public would be praising us if we'd won that game. But obviously, it's all been distracted by the late decision that went against us. It is a bit frustrating that we didn't take our chances because I think we did deserve to win three, four, five, one, and I think on another day we would have. But yeah, like you mentioned, defensive frailties did play a part, but going forward, just so fantastic with the ball, and, and I've got to give a bit of appreciation to Kevin De Bruyne, because what a fantastic player, I think we did mention it at the start of the season, that having him back would be like a new lease of life, but I think he is the best midfielder in the world, hands down, and having him back, I cannot see us not retaining this title, yes, it's a bit frustrating that we didn't win the game, but we didn't win against Wolves last season, we didn't win against Everton the season before, early on, it's not the end of the world, and we'll come back stronger, and I firmly believe that it's still in our hands. Yeah, it, it's a strange one because to drop two points, say, in March or April would feel like the end of the world, wouldn't it? It would really sting. But to get something like this out of the way early, you know, if that's going to be our sort of... Um, the one thing that's going to go against us, I'm glad it's now rather than later on. Um, and yeah, like everyone else said, it's the performance more than anything. If we can play like that all season, nobody else has got a chance. We were so dominant, weren't we? Oh, unbelievable! It was like for the for the younger listeners, it was like a game of FIFA. You just oh, absolutely battering the other person, and they get one sucker punch and get and a um, point. nobody's mentioned Sterling either. I think I'm so excited. The fact, the fact that he scored four in, in two, mm. um, and and. Uh, Ian mentioned before about Lucas Morris scoring a header, but Sterling scored with a header he as well, did. so I was impressed Same by that. Same size as well, yeah, aren't yeah, small. Well, you, you've got a theory, aren't you, Will, about um, losing, uh, not losing, drawing the second game of the season. Yeah, yeah, so I think Matty just touched on it. So the Everton game, we had uh, Kyle Walker sent off incorrectly, and we got 100 points. Last season, we had Willie Bowley score with his hand, and we drew one all, and we got 98 points, and so hopefully this season we 99 will... in between. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> nice. Straight down the middle. Um, yeah, I just want to touch on what uh, Matty said about Kevin. Um, this is this is across the board, Ian. To be honest with you, because I think you know stats stats are really important in today's game. But I think sometimes people, you know, pundits, fans, um, people in the media, they become stat obsessed and they they simply judge a player based on the stats during the match or the stats over the course of a season. I think what people have got to do is they've got to zone back in now and actually look with their eyes and judge with their eyes more and stop looking at numbers on a page and judging players off just that. I mean, 
Kevin De Bruyne last season maybe got two or three assists in a game and maybe didn't play too well. Whereas yesterday he only got one assist and was absolutely outrageous. No, he got, so he got uh, two, two assists. Yeah. But, 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 but actually, you know, it's interesting you should say that because this is going to go against the grain for, for a lot of you. I actually didn't think Kevin was sensational. He's not not I, thought, I thought he was all right. First, yeah, first the two assists were in, unbelievable. But I didn't think he was sensational. Well, he, I, I think his, his work rate was outstanding. And I think some of the stuff that we saw from him was some of the best stuff that we've ever seen from him. I think he showcased in the... Right, we got, if we look at the first half then, in that first half, it was, it was, in my opinion, one of, if not the best first half I've ever seen from Kevin. Well, he brought, his, he brought his crossing boots, but he didn't bring his shooting boots. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to talk about the negatives of his <laughs> performance, though, because it's like a, a striker can have a quiet game, but then he scores yeah. with one chance. And, and that's like Kevin De Bruyne, but with creating chances. He don't have to play incredibly, but he just has that vision to see one ball. And what incredible ball in for Sterling, a great header as well. I think he looked a bit out on his feet towards the end of the second half. I can understand why you'd say second half he wasn't that great, but I still think that he is a phenomenal player and he just creates something from nothing. And Although I like Bernardo as a central midfielder, so them two as a central pairing, I like the idea of that. But I think with Bernardo on the right and De Bruyne a central, them two, they're linked up. Because defenders don't know what to do. They don't know whether Bernardo's going to cut in and cross it. They don't know if he's going to go down the line. Kyle Walker adds another element to it because he could bomb past at any point. De Bruyne drops back for the first goal. So there's so many threats just on that right side. And then you you go to Sterling on the other side and he provides another threat. So... There's threats from everywhere in that team. Well, that's, well, that's where there's a formula, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Pep, Pep, Pep talks so in press conferences. You know, you go to a lot of press conferences yourself, and he talks about how. I mean, they asked him a question before, before this game, didn't they? Saying who's going to play and, and why you're going to play and this, that, and the other. And he, and he comes out with, "I'll play the best players for the game, for the you know, to, to match the opposition or to beat the opposition, and I'll play players that work well together." So it might not be that a player isn't good enough to play in a certain game. It might just be that he believes that the link up with other players that he is going to pick for certain. He's going to be better. Well, a, a common argument where I sit in the South Stand is, is Bernardo wasted on the right? No, no, he's not. I, no, I can not. see the argument, but like you say, when he's, when he's in his position, he's, he's been put there by Pep for a reason, i.e. to link up with whoever's in the middle and walk on the right. Fair enough, but on the other side, I can, I can see him much better as a central yeah, playmaker. Yeah, I understand. It's like when Silver used to play on the wide, it always felt like he was wasted. When, when David leaves or when David moves on at the end of the season, I think Bernardo naturally will move into that right attacking midfield. Yeah, but David didn't play yesterday. And, and obviously, Matty, before Will said what he said, was going in the direction of, what are you talking about wasted on the right? Well, so go on, he's expand not, he's on not that. He's not wasted. I can understand why people say he's maybe better suited to be in the middle because his work rate's incredible. He's a phenomenal creative player. But I just think that the link up between him and De Bruyne when he's on the right is why he's not wasted. And we saw that magnificent piece of skill from him while he's on the right. It's yeah, not as if he's not a talented enough player to play on the wing. He can create things just as easily from that position as he can centrally. So that's why I don't think he's wasted anywhere because he's brilliant in either position. And for me, can, can you really take Gundogan out of that team to fit? I thought he was sensational. Gundogan. Outrageously good, Ian. Do you know what I mean? Everything I said about Gundogan last year, he's continuing to prove me right. You know, think, even when people were doubting him and criticising him, the f- the fact that he knows he's got the fan support again after he had a good season, it's 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 washing. Without off, that fan support, and I firmly believe, you know, you can talk about agents, you can talk about wages, you can talk about amounts of money. Without that fan support, and without that job satisfaction, I think Ilkay would have moved on. 
I think the fact that he got the evasions that he got, he got the support he got on social media, you know, whether he's managing his social media or not, at the same time, I think that when a player feels at home at a club and he feels that the fans are behind him, I'd personally, if I was in his position, I'd want to stay at that club too. I know there's 11 players on the pitch, but I actually thought Gundogan was one of the key players in the mm-hmm. running last season. And yesterday, he was dictating the play again. Mm-hmm. He hardly ever wastes a pass. And when I had a, a mild bit of criticism towards Kevin De Bruyne, who, by the way, I think is, is godlike, <clears throat> so I'm not, not really having a go at him, but it was, this team is built on retaining possession. And Kevin gave the ball away. Uh, two or three times uh, sloppily and and that's something you don't really see from Ilkay Gundogan he very very rarely wastes anything he's always playing on his front foot he's always looking for an opportunity he's exactly what Pep wants in the well, he, team. Dro- he dropped him back didn't he when he took Rodri off yeah. he, he dropped Gundogan back I, into that holding role and I it, think it's because he trusts him to do that the job. key to Gundogan is he tends to recycle a lot so say De Bruyne will get to position that's the key word recycle well, if, if De Bruyne gets into a position where he's looking to shoot more often than not, he's probably going to take the shot on, whether it's whether it's worth it or not. Whereas Gundogan, if he can't see that the shot's on, he'll just carry on. The well, possession. we spoke we spoke about that. We said he's a future player. I think it was me, you, Paul, and Louisa last last season. Here, we said that he's a future player. He's somebody that sees the game maybe five or six years ahead of everybody else. You know, he, he believes that the game shouldn't be played at breakneck speed, where you you have to shoot on sight. He he does believe that he can work a better opportunity where he's probably going to guarantee a goal more often than not if he does, like you yeah. said, recycle possession and pick out the right pass, rather than wasting a strike and then having to give possession away again. Yeah, I think Bernardo being on the right is, is going to happen a lot more, especially while Sane's out. I think Sane would have been perfect for yesterday because I don't think Walker-Peter fancied no. his chances against no. Sterling. Sterling. I think Sane would him. have had him on toast. But um, the frustrating thing is that if Sterling's on the left, if Bernardo's not playing there, it's going to have to be Riyad Mahrez and... What's so frustrating about him is first game he looked really promising and then second game it looked you know, like we were watching. Do you not think he should have started season. though? I, 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 I think he should have started again. But then when he comes on he gives Who the fought? ball away Who three fought? times in five minutes. Who, who would you have started him for? Uh, that's silence, by the See, way. <laughs> a little bit of tumbleweed went through over the desk then as we sit here. It's difficult, but I mean, watching what Bernardo did yesterday. He deserved to start the game, but we know that now with hindsight, don't we? But he didn't start last week. And Bernardo would start him. every game. But for Bernardo me. for me would, would would start every game, but he'd start more centrally for me. But then we've just talked about we've just talked about. Do you think Ford should come into it a little bit though? If somebody's had a, if somebody's had an excellent game the day before, do you think they should, the game before? Do you think they should be guaranteed a spot or? But then, like we just spoke about, then Pep picks the team based on the opposition, and he might have believed that. Mares would be less effective against Spurs. Don't want to be too sceptical he here. But Which he was. Know, I have to admit he was. Sometimes Pep says things tactically. Now he's got a squad to keep happy. Yeah. So saying things like, I picked the team to be uh, to face the opposition yeah, that we're yeah. facing against. He's got to keep the rest of the squad happy. So when he says to them, you're not <clears> picked <throat> this week, he's got to be a look them in the eye and go... The reason I didn't pick you is nothing to do with your form or your ability. It's because this player is playing in your place is more suited to this game. That's a great psychological way of getting round, no, I'm picking the best 11 and you're not in it. Mm-hmm. Which is, I have to admit, he's not in the best 11, but I just think, I always remember back to um, when Edin Dzeko scored four at Spurs away and then got dropped for the next game. I just wish he'd have had that chance just to keep the momentum. The thing going. is, I think because of the way the game was going yesterday, and it was it was it was quite 
I don't know, two all, you know, we were locking horns. I had a funny feeling that Spurs might nick were on the counter-attack, to be honest with you. I had a really dodgy feeling that we were going to lose that game 3-2. Which, le- which leads us into the other part of this debate. That, that's which not is, my way of thinking, obviously. I'm, defense, I'm very, very Which is the defence. So, uh, obviously, um, I declare that I have a bit of an interest here now, which uh, I couldn't admit to before. But I've spent the summer working with Vincent Company yep. on this book. Um, so I'm going to be a bit biased, but I, I can honestly say that I... Oh, that's the way it's going to be perceived, shall we say. I can honestly say that before I even knew that I was going to be writing that book, that I had declared... I can't remember which podcast it was, but you'll find it if you go looking. I declared that Vincent Company was on the same level as Colin Bell in terms of hero status for me. And I know we all worship David Silver and Sergio Aguero, and I, for one, was a big Yaya Toure fan, but Vincent Company to me was and is the standout player yeah. of this generation. Not mm-hmm. because he's the most skillful, he scores mm-hmm. the most goals, but because of the whole package. The, the personality, the captaincy, the speeches, the, yeah. the, the, the everything. Now, towards the end of last season, when all the games mattered, not that they don't matter now, but you know what I'm saying, Vincent Company was there and, mm-hmm. and was a big part of that. I feel, personally, that we're missing that and have missed it in these opening three games. Mm-hmm. Now, all right, at West Ham, we were so much better than the opposition. It didn't matter. Um, at, obviously, at Wembley, um, we didn't win the game. And maybe we would have won the game in normal time had he been playing. We can't prove this. I personally think if he'd been playing yesterday against Tottenham, we would have won two-something, one or nil. I don't know. I think that's a bit unfair to Stones and not Amendi because, really, for the first goal, it Look just needs... Here. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Laporte, yeah, not Amendi. Really, it just needs Edison to take a step to his right and yeah, he's probably saved I think it. That, it. They could have closed the ball down a bit better, but Edison's position... The second goal, bizarre. Walker's got abilities, man. Walker can't let Moira get in front of him. Yeah. And other than that, that they were the only two shots on target. But, but again, it goes back to the fact that we, we, look, we look poor when we're attacking set pieces for me. Um, we always have done though. Do you remember? Do you, yeah, but do you remember, do you remember I think it was under Mancini and maybe Pellegrini's first season. We used to play corners very short, didn't we? I used to say very short. We used to play short corners and try and work it into the box. I understand now that because of the aerial threats that we have got, we 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 do like to play them corners in. Yeah, but with, t- with, with, Tottenham had the height pace, advantage but, over us yesterday. But at the same, yeah, but well, we talk about the height advantage, but we had the height advantage over Mora. And he's managed, still managed to score. So, um, given that you, you, you perhaps don't agree with me about Vincent Company, which you're no, I, 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 to. I do see your point because I think he has that leadership and he has that control over the defence. Like, right, you go there, you move here, and he, he can organise the defence. But I'm, I think what Will's trying to say is they didn't play badly. So, it wasn't like. Otamendi, I thought, had a really good game. The tackle in the second half. You see the tackle in the second half where Tottenham were. Yeah, there were individual moments, but but you've got to look at those two Tottenham goals and say both of them, very different goals, were soft goals. Yeah, I know what you say. In in, in, in a game of that magnitude, Ian, Vincent Company is irreplaceable. Mm. I understand where you're coming from. His his mentality on the pitch would have been able to lift the players after the equaliser, maybe. He might have spurred us on to get the third. Spurred us on, I don't know why I said that. Um, he might have um, he might have been able to game manage at 2-1 um, and prevent the second goal. And I think personally, Vinny would have been the guy that would have got up to clear the ball that Moore headed in. So he's always there looking to, looking to be honest. So this is so. the question that I'm going to ask you, because this is a debate I'm sure will carry on all season. Um, are you at all concerned that during the window, because it's obviously shut now, mm. that City didn't bring in a Bonucci or some sort of leader-type central defender because 
for all of the three central defenders, the key three central defenders that we've got, Otamendi, Stones and Laporte, I wouldn't describe any of them as being huge personalities or leaders mm. or experienced even, because they're all... I know Otamendi's got years, you know, but he, and he's the general and all the rest of it, but he still doesn't strike me as a leader. I thought certainly Stones him, and Laporte don't. I thought when we signed Otamendi, we were signing that leader. The way that the, 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 way that the move was spoken about, it was like... We were signing this big, like you said, strong personality, great aerial threat, fantastic header of a ball, which we saw in his debut, I think. He's got a goal in his debut, I think, or the second game that he played. Um, but I thought he was this animal, if, if, if that makes sense, this animal of a centre-half that would attack everything. He would be into every challenge with force. He would win every ball. He would neck on the line. I'm not saying he doesn't put his neck on the line, but I, 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 I struggle to trust Otamendi more than I trust him. So I believe that out of the two yesterday, definitely the weaker out of the two in terms of him. So did there. Pep get it wrong and he should and have picked Stones? I think, I Stones think, was injured. Was he? He was out. But I think maybe, I think maybe with hindsight now, I think that if we were to lose, for example, Stones for the rest of the season, or, or we were to lose him for a large period of the season, I don't think we can cope whole season with Laporte and Otamendi as a centre-back partnership. I may be thinking January... Well, you're was, talking about personnel now. What about numbers? There's should, three of them. Yeah. So if one any one of those three gets mm. injured, you're down to two left. I'd, I'd Unless you're moving Kyle Walker into central defence, or, or you're playing a back three. Or Fernandinho. Uh, or Fernandinho, but, but you're not playing established centre-backs there, I would look you? at probably bringing somebody in in January just, just as an insurance policy. So the question remains, did Pep make a mistake by not bringing in a centre-back? I think, well, for me, yeah, because we've not got enough numbers. I think... In terms of, um, like you just brought up, numbers, then possibly, you know, if one gets out for the whole season, then we are down to two. In terms of uh, what you were saying about, like, personality and stuff, I think you can only you can only encourage somebody to become a leader if there's that space in front of them. If they already have a Vincent company in the squad, there's no need for them to become a leader. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd like to think now... we. Stones or Laporte, they see this as their chance to become the rock of City's defence. And if they don't take it, yeah, go for a Benucci, a, a, the lad who went to Juventus, somebody like that. The lit, yeah. But personally, I'm quite happy with the three at the moment. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I always thought Stones would be the one who would flourish when, when Vincent left. And obviously, it was frustrating that he was out of that game. But he played well against West Ham. And I, 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 don't, I think it's too early to say... I think it remains to be seen. If someone was to get injured, then yeah, we might be looking at it and going, oh, maybe he should have brought someone in. But at the minute, I'm not too concerned. Who's, sorry, who's the youth centre-back? Garcia. 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 The thing is, Ian and I both agree that Garcia will probably become a holding midfielder later on in his career anyway. And his height isn't really there in terms of becoming a commanding centre-half, is it? And I don't really fancy him as too much of an aerial. You, mean, you could look at um, Javier Mascherano defender. when yeah. he was at Barcelona. Who y'all at Barcelona? Was he huge, was he? Huge, was he? But I just believe that Gar- Garcia would give us a lot more if he was in that. Right. Uh, elephant in the room time. V A R V A R. It's happened again. Right, there's so many ways we can go on this. Out the room. Let's start just by the the raw emotion. We'll get into the details of handballs and all the rest of it um, and, and whether 
There should have been other incidents that were spotted by VAR. How long it takes, whether it should be shown in the stadium. What about, let, let's go with the big one, first of all, or at least this is the way I perceive it. I've seen people on social media saying, that's <coughs> me done, football is dead, <coughs> this is my last season, I won't be renewing my season ticket. This is taking the raw emotion out for me in a stadium. Now, I've had people also replying to this saying, I was watching it on TV. Don't just make it about the stadium because this affects me, the television viewer. I watched Hollywood Blues um, celebrating in their bar. Uh, in, in Hollywood, of course, at the Hyperion, I think it's called. And they went crazy. And in the midst of all that, somebody had to go around tapping them all on the shoulder saying it's been ruled out. So what I want to ask is about the emotion, the emotion of the moment, the, the, the destructive feeling. It's happened to us twice now. I remember when City played Tottenham in the Champions League, I'm sure we all do, when Raheem Sterling scored and it was ruled out. I normally, at home games, sit in the press box and, of course, I have to be fairly reserved. I, for the first time in my life, I got up out of my seat as I was on the front row on the end of a block and I ran to where I knew my wife and son were and we all embraced and, and, and had a fantastic moment of celebration and all that was over and I was back in my seat in the press box before VAR actually even came up on the screen. So that's how long it took. It must have been the same yesterday for some people in that ground. Was it about 45 seconds, I think it was, or something like that? So, my, my question to begin with, and I know you, I'm going to try to rein you in from going off in all the different directions here, I'm just talking about the emotion. There are people out there, and there are lots of them, saying that the loss of that emotion, that raw emotion, and then suddenly it being turned around on its head after two or three minutes will destroy football. Listen, Ian, I'm not going to say that um, I wasn't infuriated that the goal got ruled out because I was. Obviously, we'll talk about my opinion on that incident in more detail shortly. But talking about raw motion, yeah, when you're celebrating a goal like that, you don't think about how you're going to celebrate. You just celebrate. The whole stand erupted. The whole stadium erupted. Everybody's going mad thinking that, yes, finally we've managed to nick that extra goal that we needed to win the game against Spurs, which we already won anyway in the Champions League, but it was, it was, it was brilliant that we'd, we'd, we'd kept going and going and going and going. Gabby comes on, he scores, it's, dream, it's a dream goal, it's fantastic, he's managed to score against Spurs, everyone's absolutely overwhelmed, and then you come back down to earth and realise VAR, and as soon as VAR came out, I've seen a few people on social media say this as well, as soon as VAR came up on the screen, you knew that that yeah. goal wasn't going to count because you just knew that it was too good to be true. So, yeah, it was gut-wrenching, but you'll understand that I agree with the decision in a do short Do you line. understand that? Do any of you, three of you, understand what... I mean, OK, we're 24 hours on as we're recording this, and it might be that the same people that are saying that on social media, some of people I know, not, not anonymous people, people I've known for a long time who really care about City. I'm not going to name them because that's, that's not fair, but people I really respect are saying, this, that's it for me, that was the line. We just went over that line, I'm done. Now, maybe the emotion goes, maybe they renew the season ticket in another year, maybe it depends on when the City win the league, but do you, any, any of you understand the raw emotion? What you just said there, maybe the emotion goes away, so that, that just proves it doesn't take the emotion out of it, it just replaces it with a different kind of emotion, which is horrendous. You still celebrate it, don't you? 
it's like you go from this euphoric feeling to just a feeling of just Spurs would have felt emotion yesterday. They they went crazy. Like I sit near the Spurs fans, they went as if they'd scored a goal when that VAR decision. We just swapped places, didn't we? Yeah. Us and the Spurs fans swapped emotions. So Jermaine Genus, who's obviously a former Tottenham player, tweeted out that when he said when these fans that I'm talking about said that this sucks the emotion out of the moment and it and it ruins the the the, the moment, he says, "Not for me. I went from punching the sofa to sliding on my knees when the goal was disallowed." Now the only ad, little addendum I'll add here at this point before I then let you you uh, discuss it again is that if that had bit and it's hard to imagine this. And by the way, when when we were at West Ham last week and the goal got disallowed because. Raheem Sterling's uh, armpit was offside, right? Uh, it didn't matter, but I went on a bit of a rant last week because I said, what you mustn't confuse this issue with is that if City had have only won that game by one goal or, or, or it had been a draw and that had denied them victory, everybody would say the reason you're against VAR is because it's denied your team a goal, right? So I'm saying, no, that's not why I'm against it. If that had been a Tottenham goal... If that exact goal had been at the other end of the field yesterday and had brushed a Tottenham player's arm hair as it went on to... And I know that, again, we can get into... Oh, well, it's the handball decision that's to be questioned here, not VAR, which we will get into. But I would have... What I'm saying is I'd have rather the Tottenham goal stood than it was ruled out like that. Now, that might sound for outrageous to say. Yeah. For the, that's exactly it. I don't want that. I, I'm dead against all this. If, if there was no VAR, no Tottenham fan or West Ham fan the game before would have been complaining that a decision had robbed them because it was like such fine magic. I think that's the problem is that the nature of how it screwed us over. An armpit hair offside. Rodri didn't get a penalty, which I thought was a blatant penalty in the first half. That's just proving VAR's not working. And then... The handball is a handball by the new letter of the law, but it's just such bull. Like, that, it shouldn't be handball. Like, it's, it's just landed on his arm. He's not gone for it with his hand at all. But that's, that's an issue with the handball rule, not an issue with VAR. At the end of the day, VAR's there to take away mistakes that the referee might have missed. So it did its job in this instance. Because so it did its job. So, so that was a clear and obvious mistake, was it? Well, by the new letter of the, by law, the, new letter was, of the yeah. law, yeah, it's diverted the ball, it's that's dropped not, it as But that's, what, but that's, that's not a clear and obvious mistake. You disagree with the, the law, not the VAR. I, I disagree with the law. Yeah. So I, I said again before a ball was kicked this season, there'll be a lot more penalties this mm. season because players will just aim at somebody's arm and whether you do it intentionally or not, it's going to be a penalty. Yeah, but then now we've just spoke about the fact that if that was the other way around and it had hit a so-called arm on the full, we wouldn't have got a penalty for that because accidental... No. Arm contact doesn't. No, that should be a penalty. Doesn't get penalised. It should be a penalty, though. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it will be. So I do object to the handball um, law, but I also object massively to VAR. And I might want to just say, for the sake of it, for the record, that long before VAR came in, I was dead against it and warned about all this set of circumstances that you're now seeing unfold. It's, it's just the worrying thing for me is like, let's say we're 2-2 in the final minute, the ball goes through and you're not sure whether Aguero's onside or not. He puts it in the net. You're going to be hesitant to celebrate because you know the linesman's not put his flag up because he's waiting to see if it goes in. So then you know you're going to be sat there for the next minute waiting to see if it's a goal or not. See, I'm going to look at this from a different perspective. As far as I'm concerned, we're at the back of the net, so I'm still celebrating it. 
Even if it counts. But do you not understand that some people yeah, yeah, will be like, like West Ham, that third goal I didn't celebrate because I was like laughing, going, oh, this is going to be it. So there's no point in celebrating yet. Can you not understand that some people will be like, yeah, of course. Oh, I'm not going to celebrate is, yet. Or they'll be hesitant. They'll still be like, yes, but not as euphoric as on, it On the other be. side of this argument would be if the Aguero goal. Right, gone in. You'd celebrated that you're describing there, Harlan. So you'd 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 been grabbing your loved one and you were yeah. dancing around the terraces, and then up came the word VAR. I, I don't want this to happen. Please don't think this is what I want want to happen. But I think if a moment like that happens again in the future and VAR rules it out by a ham an armpit hair or a a millimeter or or it brushed somebody's arm, there's going to be rioting. I. I was worried. Well, it kicked off outside the stadium yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, outside the back of the south stand, it was going off between the two sets of fans. And as, as soon as the goal was ruled out, the guy next to me, Paul, who does listen to this podcast, said, um, that's going to cause riots outside the stadium in a minute. And he said because of the fact that there's two sets of fans now that have literally swapped emotions on the flip of a coin. And it's it's raw emotion. It's not it's not emotion that you've been able to get your head around yet because we're not 24 hours on. That is raw. People are coming out of this ground raw as raw can be, and fists are going to be flying. Also, and and it will cause melees. It will cause melees. But at the same time, I've got to look at it and say, well, I was pro VAR two years ago, even before it was announced to be used at the World Cup. I always said VAR should be part of the game because I've looked at how it's used in rugby. I've looked at Hawkeye in tennis, and I always thought that some of the things that Hawkeye is very very different. Football need Hawkeye is factual yeah. in its instant. This is still subjective. So there's a bloke at Stockley Park, right, who is freeze-framing, and we could have had this debate about the, the Sterling one last week, about when David Silva plays the ball through, at what which frame... Yeah, selected a frame. Which money. frame are you picking? So it goes back to clear and obvious, doesn't it? It's not clear yeah. and obvious. Yeah. That's so, the issue. How can, how can that be right? That, that, so, so you've got a referee on the pitch now who doesn't make the big decisions... The big, big decisions are taken out of his hand and is made by somebody who's faceless. And I know we might know the name of that person, but basically somebody that can't be seen by the crowd, can't be seen by even the TV cameras, who's in making that decision. Um, so it leads to, you know, the conspiracy theories, you know, yeah. the, the corruption allegations, yeah. which, again, you see all over social media. Now, whether they're right or not isn't the point of what I'm saying. The point is it leads to all that. Yeah. So when VAR wasn't called in for the foul, allegedly, on Rodri, where he's wrestled to the ground WWE style and doesn't, they don't even, well, they may have actually looked at that VAR because people tell That's, me that yeah, there was a, a, mess, you know, that there was a message no. going That's back. Even worse, so VAR decide that's not a penalty. But the same bloke decides that brushing the arm is. This is the problem. Exactly. It's open it's to not, corruption. Yeah, it's I not mean, being used correctly. With v- it? Yeah, it's not being used correctly. And that, that, that is the thing for me. It's not VAR that's the problem. It's the interpretation of the output. And it's the way that VAR is being maybe manipulated to suit a certain agenda, if you want to call it that. Um, Do you believe so, the so theories so that City are going to be picked on with this? 
I mean, it doesn't ha- it doesn't help the theories when you see Richard Scudamore say it's not good for the league if City win it, and you see a headline saying, "Oh, Tottenham need to beat City this weekend for the sake of the." It doesn't help the argument, but I I don't believe that there's a an, an actual corruption there to try and screw City over. But you do, can understand you, why people well, think yeah. that. Can't you? Well, like when I saw the rod in real time, I looked at that. I thought he's all over him. Is that not a penalty? And I was looking at the ref to see if he like changed his mind. And the the thing is, when the ref's making that decision, you can point the finger at him. If it's some bloke hidden behind a camera or in some random room making the decisions, you don't know who you're blaming because he's got to own up to that, explain why he didn't yeah. think that was a penalty. There is there is there is corruption in English football at all levels, in, and I'll tell you one. Even incident. in the Prem, you think? I think there's certain levels of corruption. There's, there's levels of corruption in the Premier League too as well. There's levels of corruption in the... Um, in the in the youth league, there's le- levels of corruption in the um, the, the tournament that the young lads played in last season. Here, well, that's, the FA a, that's a strong allegation. I mean, you know, we're not we're not you're not attacking individuals, not attacking so you're allowed to have that. Yeah, view. I'm, I'm saying but, that I'm saying that, that there is corruption everywhere. That the referee can manipulate a game how he wants to if he's if he's if he's if he's in control of that game. Well, I guess the referee can do that anyway. Yeah, in theory. But look at look at the youth cup final last year against Liverpool. I went to that game, you went to that game. And there was a dead, dead, dead cert penalty that we should have had in that game where the guy has literally lifted his arm up towards the ball and it was a definite handball. I mean, this is what the handball rule should be. If your arm moves towards the ball to deny a player from scoring a clear goal and you block the ball's flight with your arm intentionally, then that is a penalty. And that is exactly what the Liverpool lad did last season in the Youth Cup final. And we went on and lost that on penalties. So the referee looked at that Directly and then denied us a penalty, and there maybe was some dark. It's a shame that they interview the players and the managers after the game, but never the referee. Because I'd love for the reporters to just go, "How did you not think that was a penalty?" and and see their explanation. Because sometimes you just think, "What's yeah, gone through I, your head?" I could understand it back in the day where the referee didn't have any video support yeah. whatsoever. That's fair enough. Exactly. But once you've got a system in place. To prevent this sort of stuff, I think they do need to be. Do you think the referee account. should have to come out and defend decisions? Then is that what you're saying? Now that they've got VAR, yes. So, so they should yeah. they should have to come out and defend the VAR decisions and if, explain them. If they after made the a game. decision through VAR, then yes, they should have to explain. So there should be a specific. If they miss something yeah. during the pitch, then that's fine. You know, I can understand that. If somebody said, "Why didn't you see that red card tackle?" Well, I didn't. Yeah, see Yeah, yeah, I understand. But in VAR, would notice that now, wouldn't it? But if he's gone and made a decision, or somebody has told him to make a decision, they should be held accountable. Mm. The Champions League obviously gives the referee the chance to go and watch the video on the screen. Why does that not happen in the Premier League? Is, is, is that well, the case? Do we I, not actually I think, have they, I think they're trialling it over here without that. And they're trusting the guy at Stockley Park. Well, the four at Stockley Park. But why are they bringing it in if it's not ready? That doesn't make sense. Why are they trialling it? They're experimenting so, things during the season. Exactly. That you can't afford to experiment. That shouldn't be right. You're, we're fighting for a Premier Didn't League. Did two years ago? Didn't we trial it two years ago? Well, we trialed it in pre-season, I think. We've tried it in different cup competitions. It's just not right. See, the, MLS, the MLS... It's ready. The MLS have got it bang on, apparently, from what I can gather from videos I've watched. They show it on the screen, they show three different screens, they show the VAR room, they also show... Uh, the, the referee can ask to see the monitor, I think, over there as well, if he has any doubt in his mind. Um, I think you can see the in-stadium atmosphere as well. Etc. Etc. And you can also hear the referees being mic'd up now going yeah. forward. So, so, so given you, what you're you saying, the communicating with the VAR. Given what you're saying, and obviously you're a big fan of VAR, which you're perfectly entitled to be. Um, if we act, even with all, the, we'll come to the video screens as well in a minute, because that's another big talking point. People not knowing inside the stadium. But if you're what you're saying is right, and the MLS has it absolutely right, um, 
presumably it still takes a little bit of time before that while that review happens. So the, the the thing that's upsetting fans, the ones who are saying I'm walking away, that's me done, is because of this delay. Now you clearly have to you you've come to terms with it and you you seem to be able to handle that, but. The fact that there is a delay of one or two minutes, even if you have the video, even if you have the proof, whether you agree with it or not, it's but the decision is made. Mm. It's the fact mm. that this raw emotion of, of, of celebrating a goal. Yeah. I, I spoke to David White on the on the vlog that I do yesterday, yeah. and he talked about a goal that he'd scored when he was a player that was disallowed because I think Mark Ward was offside. But he said the difference was that when the ball hit the back of the net, it was immediately ruled out. If if it had had to wait for two minutes to him, that would or, or ninety seconds or even forty five seconds, which believe me, it feels long time in the in the ground. You know, if you had to wait that long, that makes a difference. Yeah. that's at the core, I think, of what everybody's well, saying. I, I'd, I'd sat down before it even came up that it was being reviewed, so I was just sat down thinking, well, we've won. And then it came up VAR goal in review. I'm like, so it's not even as if they tell you that it's in review straight away. But what I don't want to be uh, in misinterpreted saying Ian, is here that I don't understand the raw motion. I I feel that raw motion. I felt devastated yesterday when he get the goal, but then straight away as soon as I saw the still image on the screen, which the majority of people didn't see because maybe they were they were they were that fuming that we'd not got the goal. That goals. didn't convince me that. I, I looked and I thought straight away, well it's hit his arm clearly, hasn't it? And then I watched it on match of the day and I thought, yeah, it's it's handballing. You see, I've watched it on match of the day just like you have and I still don't think it was handballing. I mean when I look at it from the angle that I saw on match of the day, it was like the third angle that they showed on the on the highlights, you clearly see the ball's movement, it hits his arm and then bounces off in a completely different direction. But also it's the so, defender's arm, if if that's the case. Mm. But we're the attacking team and it has touched a player's arm on our team and, and, and assisted us in our attacking phase. So the, so next, the next bit of this question... I mean, I'm not... You're, I'm, you're, you know, people after me were saying, uh, just as at West Ham, that they didn't know what had happened. Now, you've pointed out that there was a still on the screen, right? And obviously there was a skill still on the screen and some people just didn't notice it, as you said, because of the emotion with arguing with people, whatever, and it's only been up there for maybe 10 seconds and they've missed it, right? Uh, so there's so there's obviously needs to be clearer messaging in that sense, although I don't know it can be much clearer than that. But what about, and I know we're City fans, so most of us won't be at Anfield or Old Trafford when this happens, but Old Trafford and Anfield haven't even got screens. Mm. So, so nobody in those stadiums. Now you'll say you might say legitimately, well, it won't affect me that because I'll be watching on TV those yeah, but it should be fair for everybody because I can't it? get a yeah, ticket. But if you look at it from a Liverpool fans' point of view, and and I know that there are tribal enemies and United fans' point of view, when they have a goal disallowed oh, in those exact circumstances, <laughs> well, yeah, of course you can say that, but they will they will have a clue. But it's weird because it, for for the rugby league at Old Trafford, they put a big screen in. You know, yeah, because they don't fill the seventy six thousand seats. But <laughs> Manchester United are not going to put a big screen in and reduce their capacity, are they? So it is not that, unless they're forced to. Yeah, I was going to say. So it's not a requirement of the screen then. So how how do they how do they announce well, it? Well, they, they, they should probably verbally, announce it. but that, verbally, but that doesn't happen. And at the same time, like I said in the MLS, Ian, they're starting to well, they, they tested it last year where they, they mic the referees up and the referee can communicate directly with the VAR 
and you can already, also hear that. They've already said that's not going to happen. In the well, league. at the end of the day, as far, as, as, far as I'm concerned, if you're rolling VAR out in football, the game of football, then no matter where it's played, it, it should be exactly the same. The same. Yeah, 100%. You can't have it different in the MLS, different in the Bundesliga, different in the Premier League, different in the Eredivisie. But then it comes, comes, to, the same then it comes down to technology. Can you have that in League 2? Well, you can't have it in League 2, but this is an argument that me and Danny have had. A debate me and Danny have had on our show. It's, you know, League 2 teams can't afford it. Listen, we don't know. In 20 years' time, every club might have VAR. Mm-hmm. If VAR yeah, stays so. around that long, but Ian's not happy about but that because he can't imagine that other, being the case. Other fans he? might listen to this or watch this it's on YouTube and be laughing. It was like, oh, look at you crying because VAR didn't work for you. But I can tell you now, it will happen to you and you'll be going through the exact same emotions that the City fans went through yesterday I, and you'll feel the exact something same something a bit way. disturbing about I, the Spurs fans singing VAR, my lord, <laughs> as well. I think that's a bit... It's uh, just a I think that's it is, but it's a bit weird and it's a bit creepy, I think. That is a key point, though, Matty. I think the problem is and the reason why we've got such raw emotion around this issue is we've been done over every time yeah. the, the two times against Spurs and also the handball against Spurs Loriente Willy Bowley's handball times when we should have had VAR and didn't and times mm. when we've been done over by VAR so I reckon once we see other teams get done over by it I mean especially if it's in one of our games if we get a 90th minute loser ruled out then I think we'll start but to one, one thing else on like here around is something important that I think a lot of people may or may not have missed a lot of the City fans that are now criticising the fact that that goal was ruled out yesterday were all arguing that Llorente should have been ruled out in the Champions League now the new Premier League handball rule isn't in the Champions League it wasn't in the Champions League last year I think it has been ruled out this year now say that the Llorente goal was scored this season and we fast forward a year the City fans would still be going that's handball that's handball I was one of them fans that was saying that's handball that's handball that goal shouldn't count you can't complain about that one being counted and, and, and then or saying that that shouldn't be counted because it's handball and then claim that this one should have been because it's handball. So as far as I'm concerned, sometimes fans can whinge when it's not going for them, but, but when it is... Well, I've tried it, to be know. consistent in this because I accept the Llorente goal. The one I look at is obviously the Sterling goal. That happened in the last seconds of that game. So therefore everybody's emotions were absolutely at their height. It happened again in the game against Spurs now, 24 hours ago, as we record this, and the emotions were at that height. I look back to the Schalke game in the Champions League when we won 7-0 and came away from that game personally actually quite disappointed with, with that game. It didn't feel right. Uh, obviously, I know I had mixed emotions because I have a leanings towards Schalke as well. But the fact that every single goal seemed became to... became a joke, didn't be, it? Yeah, it, it actually became a joke. I was at West Ham. We won comfortably. So it didn't affect the outcome of the game. But I still walked away from West Ham thinking, this isn't right. This is not what I want. I don't want to be in the crowd taking the mickey out of VAR and that every single time anything happens, the City fans were self-mocking. Could you hear that on the TV? Yeah. They were actually singing, V-A-R, V-A-R. even when, 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 when we, we got something or uh, something went, you know, and it was obvious that it was onside, they were sort of mocking it, going, come on, let's have a VAR check and everything. That, it's just well, we're doing virgin that. on the ridiculous. We're doing that the Schalke game. Yeah, game exactly. Was, well, that... I think every single goal was looked at in that game. And it was not, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, looking at the stats again from yesterday, going back to the actual game itself, Ian, we had 30 attempts on goal, 10 on target. Now, we wouldn't be talking about VAR as much. We'd still be devastated about it, 
because it just, but, it, but but this decision would have been like the West Ham decision. If this yeah. we decision, should have been out of sight before that decision even if, happened. And right. obviously, if this decision that Gabriel Jesus having the goal disallowed had happened ten minutes from the end, I'm convinced that City would have still scored another goal. Yeah, but it, it was been, only because it was so late. It would have been like Matty said, where we should have been, and that's out of sight in the first half. I spoke to Spurs fans on the tram on the way home. With Jess, we both spoke to them, and they were saying they thought that within 60, 70 minutes we'd have been out of sight. In the first half, we should have scored three or four. Sergio probably should have bagged the one he bagged. It was his left foot, Matt, he said. He should have scored that one. That's probably why Pep was annoyed, because we were wasteful in front of goal yesterday. Had we have scored the goals that we should have scored, even if we'd have scored five out of the ten that we had on target, that's 50% of the shots on target, we wouldn't be complaining as much as we are now about this decision going against us. If we'd have done yeah, what but, we needed to yeah, do. Yeah, but Ian's already made the point that last week they won 5 0 and he still hated it, so. Mm. But we wouldn't be as devastated and as emotive about it had we have won how so, we should have won. So, so but yeah, both, both of those points are very relevant. Um, I suppose what, uh, what the reason I mentioned about the two Spur ge- Spurs games is that we've now got 36 Premier League games to go. The chances are of a last minute winner being ruled out by, by VAR happening. Maybe even once in those last thirty six games is quite slim because the way we play, the dominant football, the fantastic football we play, <laughs> most of the time we're going to win by a couple of goals anyway, so it might not matter. And we've always got the possibility that when a goal's ruled out by VAR, City will step up that extra gear mm-hmm. and get another goal. And mm-hmm. I sincerely believe that if Gabriel Jesus had, had had that one in the net with 10 minutes to go, mm-hmm. we would have got another. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even have that a doubt in my mind. We would have got another. It? I think it would have motivated yeah, us the yeah. fact that we've been denied. So, so I suppose uh, the, the people who are talking about casting aside their season cards and everything, let's ask them again in 36 games from now if we've won the Premier League yeah. and there hasn't been another last-minute VAR decision because it's not going to happen every week. No, it's not. Um, then, then suddenly this goes away, does it? No, but like, I think you've got to look at it as well, Ian. Every single City fan would have been going... If Liverpool had scored that goal that we scored yesterday, every single City fan, I don't care who you are, obviously, maybe, maybe, maybe not you because you've said about the Spurs goal, but I even think you might maybe want the goal to be disallowed a bit as well. If Salah scores that goal that Jesus scores yesterday, it's Firmino on the arm. Majority of City fans are saying, that's some ball! If there's no they now. They definitely would now VAR, because of what's happened to City. And they City. go and watch Match of the Day, all the highlights, because we were at our game. Every City fan is going, Liverpool, oh, oh Liverpool this, Liverpool that, that's on ball, that's on ball. You can't, it's rough with the smooth as far as I'm concerned. We're going to get some for us and we're going to get some against us, but it will even itself out over the season, I, I believe it. All right, let's, let's, let's leave VAR <laughs> for now. We'll come back to VAR next week. <laughs> yeah. Because it won't I'm go down. away. <laughs> Uh, next up is, is of course, Bournemouth, um, which uh, two years ago, I think it was, it took a very late Sterling. winner, Sterling and everything. Um, Mahrez last year. Yeah, and so it's not going to be a formality, that one. No. The eyes of the world are going to be on how City respond to this. Um, I, I, don't, I, I wasn't at the press conference, so I didn't hear about the John Stones injury last week, so... Thanks for correcting me, Matty, because I didn't I didn't realise the uh, the reason he was absent. But it, assuming that he's fit by next week, 
I couldn't um, tell you. <laughs> the injury got seemed a bizarre one. I can't even remember what it was called, but um, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, Sam Lee said he had to Google it. Yeah. So, so, so what remains to be seen? What team does City go with, and how confident are you that City will bounce back and and win emphatically? Because obviously. Liverpool will have played by the time we play Bournemouth. They could be five points clear. Um, you know they seem to play first every every weekend. How how confident are you? And what team would you pick? I think you've always got to be confident. Um, I'm extremely confident. I, I think, think we Bournemouth. always bounce back after a, a yes injustice, if you want to call it that, like Saturday. Yeah, we played Spurs, we didn't we? Straight after the yeah. Champions League game, and we looked we looked like we brushed it off and cracked on. I don't think Pep's going to allow the players to dwell on this either. Ian, um, the professional footballers. Um, we're a well-oiled machine and I think the players already now will be focused on that they're back in training they're going to be looking to to beat Bournemouth and I think that something that we've got to look at doing is is being more clinical down at Bournemouth as well and, and trying to right the wrongs of the last couple of seasons when maybe we've been a bit naive against Bournemouth and allowed them to have a bit too much of the ball I think we've got to go down there and we've got to crucify them as far as I'm concerned um, Eddie Howe's a good manager it's going to be a tough game like you say never underestimate them they're a good football inside um, but I'm going to put me trust in Pep to pick the best team to beat the opposition. I'd um, like to see Jesus start. And I think, instead of Aguero? No, I'd, I'd put Sterling on the right, Bernardo and Kevin in the middle, and then Jesus on the left. I think he can be... Well, he played clean. there for Brazil in the Copa America, and he looked absolutely frightening. I, think, I know that the goal got ruled out, but the fact that he came up... I, I had a feeling he was going to score. I didn't have a feeling VAR was going to rule it out. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think... Now's his time to step up as a City player and I think it'd be good to see him start that game with or without Aguero, to be honest, I wouldn't mind. But I think if you put him on the left wing and Sterling right, that I'd be happy He's with got that. that aura about him now, hasn't he? When he first came over, he was sort of like, oh, he's, he's a Brazilian kid with a bit of skill, let's see how he does. But I think now, especially after his Copa America, I've got a lot of confidence in Jesus. And may I add as well, what a finish that was yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, forget yeah. VAR, forget the fact it was denied. He's bounced out. Jesus sometimes is is his composure sometimes is questioned. The ball's bouncing towards him. He controls it. He takes it out of his feet. He manipulates the ball around two defenders. Wraps his foot around it and absolutely buries it in the bottom corner. Yeah, that is the kind of finish that you don't see very often from Jesus. And it's that clinicalness that we've been demanding of him for a long time that we saw yesterday. And like Matty said, if he can deliver that against Bournemouth. Then he'll be wanting to prove a point. Well, won't he? Am I right in thinking he's already had a, a last-minute goal against Spurs disallowed? I'm sure when it he was on his debut, weren't well, it? He's had a goal disallowed against United, I think, in the last minute. Yeah, well, that was on his debut. That wasn't, yeah, Spurs yeah. was the game after. Then there was Spurs. Then West Ham he had yeah. one. So <laughs> he's not had much. Yeah, like it? the devil, isn't he, or, yeah. or Judas? And yeah. I, I think uh, Silver's going to start as well. Who's, who starts in defence? I mean, obviously Cancelo was on the bench. We didn't see him come on. Well, he's so highly rated. Um, Kyle Walker is in, in theory in his position, although I think things can perhaps move around a little bit. Uh, we saw Zinchenko suffering a little bit of cramp. I don't think That's it was a serious injury. Um, so I don't know how close Mendy's getting now. I think but, he's a couple of weeks away, isn't he? So probably not ready. Probably after the he international said break. He said then. September the 17th. That's the expected return. Yeah. So, so who starts in defence? Um, I don't think you can drop Walker. I think he's been great. So if Stones is out, Otamendi will put in. And then maybe Cancelo at left back. I don't think Zinchenko played very well yesterday, to he be honest. He got beat a few times. Bits of all over the yeah. top, yeah. didn't he? So I'd give Cancelo a game. I love him, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Zinchenko. I think he's so outstanding. Right. But 
Um, he got beaten a few times. I mean, more in the second half, more in the, the second half. the first game he had one he's started, isn't it? Yeah, he'd done 23 games, hasn't he? Because when, when Cancelo first signed, though, Pep said, no, he's not ready. And I think the only reason why he's even been on the bench is because we've got no other defensive replacements. Well, I mean, we've all Garcia's seen... Garcia's fit. Yeah. So you could, you could have Garcia's... He's more central, though, isn't he? He's not... He's not... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, I'm guessing we've all seen Can- Cancelo play. Whether we've seen him in the Champions League against Spurs, just, for you, just Champions League. Whether you've yeah. seen him on I've YouTube. got to admit that I haven't. I don't have no no idea about. I mean, him. listen, I, I, Gary Neville made a couple of comments in the week. Not me. I didn't make the comments. Um, <laughs> so just yeah, I didn't the make the comments at all. Um, yeah, he's my brother. Um, yeah, he made a few comments in all seriousness, saying that the manager before him at Valencia played uh, Cancelo as a right winger. The manager after him played him as a right winger, and he trialled him as a right winger. He said that it's the perfect club for him, City. He said that uh, we don't do much defending and we don't have to defend too much. So he believes that Cancelo is going to um, going to help us massively. Um, and there's no harm in, in maybe playing him there if needs be as a right winger in the future. But he's very attack-minded. Can defend, though. He showed that against Spurs in the Champions League last year. Um, but yeah, he's a very attacking... Um, very attacking full-back. Can take a man on. Goes around the outside. Doesn't mind running out of the lines as well to get round a player. Very skillful. Ronaldo said that him and Bernardo Silva are two of the most talented Portuguese players he's seen in recent years. So it only bodes well, doesn't it? Mm. Okay. well, thanks very much for your contributions, your views on uh, VAR uh, and obviously that uh, that game generally anyway against Spurs. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk or Charles Louis Chartered Accountants for being the sponsors of this podcast for this season. Really appreciate it. Um, tonight is the, but by the time you listen to this, you may have already attended it or know about it, but it's also the Supporters Club 70th anniversary tonight. So um, so good luck to, to them and uh, well done on achieving that goal. Um, it'll be an interesting week to see how VAR continues to be discussed and to whether on social media those extremely emotional views that people have had actually do settle down and whether if this isn't a repeat thing of a last-minute stoppage time denial of a city goal mm. whether the whole view of VAR changes my own won't I don't like it but yeah. that's just my view but one, one um, thing one thing before we leave it Ian, just look at the the thing that I said on my Twitter account which is that people need to not confuse the three different things so they need to not confuse the new handball rule VAR uh, and misinterpretation as well um, and the inconsistencies people have got to differentiate between the three um, and kind of look at the handball rules as a separate thing because it isn't VAR. I don't want to get in any way political, but uh, I saw somebody, a friend of mine, saying, it's here now, uh, you've got to accept it. VAR is the future, there's no going back. Well, that's a bit like saying that the referendum for Brexit is irreversible. Um, everything's reversible if there is a will to do something. So to say that VAR is now irreversible is wrong and uh, I've saw seen today on social media a Brighton fan uh, or a Brighton account complaining about a goal that they've had disallowed through VAR and I replied to it and say I think there should be a united campaign so to get rid of VAR uproar's going I, I don't want violence you don't, I don't want violence I mean, I mean yeah like a, <laughs> a coming together of fans to, to create yeah. a yeah, you're leading the revolution, comrade. Get, Easy for PM. Get rid of it. Get PM. rid of it. Right, okay. Well, on that bombshell, um, as Alan Partridge used to say, we'll leave it there. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Um, we do now tend to record on Sunday nights. 
if City have played on the Saturday or Monday nights if City play on the Sunday. So it's your regular sort of Sunday night stroke Monday night uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Don't forget to watch the uh, the vlog, which has the views immediately after the game of people talking about VAR and also included Colin Bell, John H. Stracy, Steve Kinsey, Jamie Redknapp, David White, you know, Harlan. all the names, Harlan, 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 yeah. Harlan, Harlan. Gary Neville, and, and even a, and even Will makes a little cameo, <laughs> does a bit of photo bombing. So thanks for listening. See you again next time.